Guardian Unlimited. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne. Hello again, I'm uh, Ian Payne and we're back with the Six Nations show on guardian.co.uk. Now, due obviously to a rest weekend in the Championship, we've had a little break since our last podcast. We've missed you. But we've all had a very long ice bath, a soothing massage and a few easy recovery sessions. So we're now fit and raring to go. The bruises have gone down. But a lot can happen in the time it takes to rustle up these podcasts. Consider this. Since our last outing, Fidel Castro has stepped down as leader of Cuba. Nationalisation has re-entered the British political vocabulary. And if you're younger than 30, don't understand what that means. Ask your dad and he'll tell you about the delights of driving a British Leyland car. <laughs> Remember them? But perhaps the biggest shock of all is that the England coach, Brian Ashton, still refuses to make wholesale changes. But some things stay the same. France continue to change their squad like most people change their underwear. And remember, this is a team that's winning. The whole Welsh nation believes it's their destiny to win a Grand Slam and nothing will stop them. Keep a lid on it, boys. You've got three more games to play. Italy keep improving, but still no cigar. Ireland's form is about as consistent as Rafa Benitez's team sheets. And Scotland, perhaps... They're thinking about putting the wooden spoon in the post right now. Or is that too rude? What do you think? Get in touch with us. Post your blogs, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport and tell us what you think. Right, my guests on today's show, there are not many (laughs) at the the moment, but there will be. We'll be absolutely teeming with them. First up, uh, a man who was a regular on our World Cup podcast, but so far has not graced the studio with his opinions on the Six Nations the deputy sports editor of The Guardian, Ian Pryor. In fact, he's not actually graced the studio with his presence either, so we're still (laughs) waiting for him. He's on his way, which I think is a euphemism for we can't find him. Uh, Next up, our very own blogger, who soon after recording this podcast is set to jet off to a sunny island very soon. Hello, Andy Bull. Hello there. Where are you going? Antigua. Can I say it again? Antigua. Business Business or pleasure, sir? Uh, Both, but I should probably say business because uh, I'm on company time. Are you? Talking to cricketers? Yes. Good. Uh, will you be blogging from there or posting? I will indeed be Good. blogging. Okay. And will you be blogging about anything in particular? Cricket or Yes, anything? West Indian cricket. Good. Uh, see if you can find the Pedalo. Oh, no, that's a different, <laughs> island, a different island. Uh, and finally, bring a bit of class to proceedings. The Guardian's rugby correspondent. Rob Kitson. Morning, Rob. Well, that's a very rare introduction. Good morning to you. I, uh, <laughs> clearly, clearly mistaken. But anyway, nice, to, nice to be here. What have you done with your uh, your your free weekend? Then have you been um, studying the form? Have you been uh, writing all sorts of post-match and pre-match previews? Well, uh, I, obviously, I have to say that I did sneak in a couple of days golf in Wales. I need to go down and check uh, just how excited people were getting down there. I think it's fair to say very excited. We went went into a pub and were greeted by the landlord waving a the rewritten copy of the Lord's Prayer that he'd had framed, which uh-huh. involved the Warren Gatland uh, rather than the, you know l- the Lord. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I think I gave you a, it gives you a, a snapshot anyway. Hello, be his name. What it was like. Uh, later in the program, by the way, we're going to be joined by uh, Paolo Pacitti from the Italian television to get his perspective on Italy's chances against Wales. Plus, we'll get the expert opinion of Wasps and England's Fraser Waters. Ah, oh, hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm very well. And you? Yeah, not bad. Good. Not bad. Working hard, obviously. Yeah, too much. <laughs> Never mind. We're here now. Um, let's start with the uh, England-France preview. And it's uh, Saturday, 8 o'clock in the evening, kick-off for this one. And um, Rob Kitson, the general feeling, I, uh, reading lots of reports and, and gauging the opinion of most commentators, seems to be that the, the French now are playing in a much more French way, even though they're making changes and despite winning, 
England are still playing the way they used to play when they won. I, I suppose in a general sense that's right. I mean, <laughs> France have gone back to being uh, unpredictable in the sense that you, you really can't pick, I don't think even their coach quite knows. He's picked an 8, 9 and a 10 who have uh, got one test start between them, 100 test minutes of, uh, you know, <laughs> of the previous experience. So, I mean, you know, they don't know. They, they're impossibly raw, you would say. And yet England, yes, I mean, they've, they've uh, again delayed making huge numbers of changes i think though time is running out if they don't perform this weekend uh, i think there might be some action yeah andy bull it seems amazing to actually pick two new halfbacks um in a, in a tournament like this it's yeah it's astonishing isn't it and then in combination with the number eight who's really inexperienced as well and they've got a combined age of 62 between the three of them so uh, i think that actually gives you cause for some optimism if you're an england fan i'd say yeah um ian why do you think they've done that after winning after winning against ireland just just and you you can't you can't say the kids really covered themselves in glory in that one. They let a hell of a lead slip in the second half and got and got pretty pulverized. I don't. I mean, to me, it's always smacks of a certain contempt for this tournament that you're blooding you know nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds in the Six Nations for a tournament in four years' time, which is essentially what they're doing, building towards the next World Cup. Mm. And if, if the World Cup last World Cup showed us anything, is that if you like the Kiwis, four years of preparation really doesn't count for all that much when it comes to the kind of heat of a tournament. Well, let me ask you all: How important do you think the Six Nations is, Ian? I think it's still the kind of premier rugby tournament in well, certainly the Northern Hemisphere and, and should be treated as such. It's a six-week period once a year that every rug- rugby fan in Europe looks forward to. Mm. And to kind of use it as some kind of a proving ground for the, you know, once every four years jamborees, is, it's an insult to fans, and it's really. Ni- it's nice to do something, isn't it, within the British Isles because we've lost the home international football championships, for example, and very rarely do we get something like this, like, apart from maybe, I don't know, am- amateur boxing. Um, would you agree with that, Andy? What's, what do you feel is the point of the Six Nations? Is it still relevant today? Yeah, I think it is. I agree with Ian, absolutely. I mean, the trouble is this year's tournament's been really quite a low standard by the standards of international rugby. I mean, I think there's been no outstanding team and no really outstanding 80 minutes from any one side either. So right now people are asking a few questions about you know the merit of the thing. But uh, it's the premier, premier tournament in the Northern Hemisphere. And and, everyone and, loves it. And Rob, you've no doubts that it'll carry on from strength to strength each year? Oh, I've got. I mean, it's carried on for as long as it has. I, I can't see it fading. I, I, I mean, I would disagree with Ian in one respect. Like, I, nobody doubts the, the importance of the tournament. But is it, what's wrong with taking a, a bold selectorial risk? You know, if, if these guys are good enough, it's... it's you know, they should be played. It doesn't matter what age they are. I, I do think it's a mistake that England, you know, have fallen into to a certain extent to say, well, what, what worked four months ago, it'll, it'll be OK. We'll cobble it together for a bit longer. I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go. And I, and I don't think Ashton think that's, thinks that's the sorry, the right way to go. I, I think he's, he's wanting a response, basically, this weekend. He's, he's said to them, OK, I'll give you one more chance. But uh, if you don't deliver, guys, then I'm afraid, uh, it, you know, time could well be up. Uh, I, th- I think it's a quite a difference, though, between blooding a bit of new talent for a new tournament and then just cutting an entire team off at the knees as they've done in France, you know, I mean... Well, I guess the proof is in the pudding in the end then, isn't it? Because, you know, they're top of the table, won their first two matches uh, and they're at home <laughs> against England. Uh, I, you, you wouldn't say with any confidence... We'll see on Saturday night, I guess. Sorry? We'll see on Saturday night, I guess. Well, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I thought we'll be wary after England put them out of the World Cup, of course. England have made a couple of changes. Andy Gomesell has been dropped completely. Uh, Richard Wigglesworth has come in. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson, back on form against Italy. Um, I wonder what Danny Cipriani is thinking after his kick was charged down within seconds of coming on. In fact, uh, we can speak to one of Cipriani's teammates, the uh, Wasps and England centre, Fraser Waters. Good uh, morning to you, Fraser. Good morning. Um, 
I'm afraid that uh, we're going to have to out you here because every time we have a, uh, a rugby player on, we have to give them their full name. We had Rupert Moon on last week, <laughs> whose full name is Rupert Henry Singent Barker Moon, and I believe you're Fraser Henry Hamilton Waters. Indeed, indeed. I don't. Why do we have to do our full names? But yeah, that's no, uh, no. It's just like it's like, it's like cricketers. They always put their initials in, but and you've you no idea what they, why yeah, you do. Yeah, blame my parents. Blame your parents. Yeah. Um, what did, what have you made of England so far, Fraser? Um, obviously, I think it's been a bit, uh, you know, a bit of a stuttering start. Um, um, I'm, uh, I heard uh, Rob mention there that uh, you know Ashton wants to. Uh, you know, bring in the young two guys and change it all up. I think uh, you know maybe he should have had coaches of his convictions early on and uh, and done it early on. Uh, you know, early on in the tournament, you know, starting with the first game. I think uh, you know they're, they're they're obviously you know still looking to dominate up front and uh, and don't seem to be able to you know perform out in the out in the backs at the moment. But um, you know, it's, it's, if they, if they produce a win against France, then uh, you know they're back on track and they can certainly go on and win the uh, tournament. How do you feel uh, Danny Cipriani will be feeling at the moment? Um, I don't know if you saw the game of the weekend, but uh, obviously his, uh, his chip kick didn't come off uh, in the last game, but he, it was pretty much the first time he touched the ball against Bath. He did a, did a sublime little chip over the top, gathered the ball and, and scored a try under the post. So he's, uh, he's not struggling for confidence. He'll get out there and uh, you see something on, he'll try it. And I'd like to see him get, it, get a little bit longer at 10 and you know if the opportunity rises maybe at 15 as well because you know he's a fantastic 15 played very well for us there last year are you surprised that the french have made quite a few changes including two new halfbacks and a new number eight uh not really i think that trend do is obviously playing very well for montpellier i like the way they're, they're picking uh players on form bernard laporte's uh, shackles are off and uh you know i think that the french are looking to get back the gallic flair that we you know everyone loves to see so you know, I'm not surprised that they're bringing these youngsters, and you know they certainly, uh, you know, I think Livermore is, is letting them express themselves. Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's a bold move, but it's, uh, it seems to be working out so uh, far. And what do you know of the uh, new scrum half, Richard Wigglesworth? Good move. Definitely, I think he's been a great player for a while, and he's uh, obviously performing well for Sale. It must have been a close call with him and uh, Hodgson because I think Hodgson's a he's a very good organizer. He talks, uh, you know, a hell of a lot having having played against him. You know, he never never shut his mouth and uh, I think uh, you definitely need someone to lead that pack there's obviously a bit of experience up front but uh, you know maybe in the, in the back row be, it's important to have a nine to, to, to lead the troops and, and be the link between the backs and forwards so I was surprised that they, they didn't go for Hodgson but I think Wigglesworth is a, is a fantastic player and he, he'll without doubt probably do a job I'd like to ask uh, uh, Fraser a question. It's Rob, uh, Rob Kitson here. Hi, hi, hi Fraser. Rob, I just, I just wondering. I mean, uh, given you were mentioning the uh, match last weekend, the Bath Wasps game, when you were wobbling a little bit at half time, came back very strongly. Uh, second half, fantastic win, and all the rest of it. Slight contrast to what England have been doing. Was there anything in particular that's happening at half time that you've um, that you do differently to England, or that they could perhaps learn from? Um. Well, I think it's pretty clear. Everyone knows that uh, Sean Edwards doesn't uh, mix his words and. Uh, Half-time, uh, you know, the so-called hairdryer treatment from uh, from Sean and uh, two of us, a few backs were taken aside into the sort of shower area and he just sort of, sort of let rip and I think uh, that sort of sent a message through to the whole side. They could all hear what was going on in the, in the change room. He pretty much sent a message out. Saying, you know, we've got to fuck our ideas up. I think Sean Edwards is possibly one of the, um, the stories of the tournament so far. Uh, Englishman who's obviously coaching at Wasps and then coaches Wales as well and he seems to have done the trick alongside Warren Gatland. Here's some good quotes from Sean Edwards this week. He said, Someone asked me what it's like in Wales. The answer is, it's like a giant Wigan. 
except the rules are different. The passion's the same, the emotion's the same, the enthusiasm of the people and their friendliness. There are a lot of similarities between the people of South Wales and the north of England, in particular a place like Wigan and the rugby side of it. It's a nice kind of bonkers. <laughs> yeah. well, he, he'll fit in very nicely then. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he, just, just how much of an influence Fraser is he on a rugby team? Uh, it's, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of him. His, his enthusiasm for the game and, and for training is, is undiminished. He's been a wasp for five years now, and literally every single session is intense. And, you know, he wants to get involved, He's and he doesn't... You know, hold back. Doesn't mince his words. No matter who you are, you're one of the one of the stars, or you you know one of the youngsters coming in. He gives it everything every session, and I think that definitely rubs off on the players. Is he uh, also a, is he also an arm round the shoulder person as well, or is it just all Blair? No, no, he's definitely an arm round the shoulder. He's you know he's first to bring you if you if you're injured or you're having an operation. He's always you know ringing to find out how you how you're getting on, how the training's coming on. No, he's definitely he, he's brilliant in a, in a team environment, but also one on one. You know, if you want to confide in him and you know get some advice on things. Fraser, have you noticed any difference in him since he's been with Wales? He's, he's not been ripping off the old Ospreys playbook back at Welsh sessions, has he? Uh, no, I think he, he's he's brought a, a few ideas. Obviously, uh, you know, Warren's been away from Wasps for a while, so maybe he's picked up a few uh, few things along the way. And uh, I think Sean's always willing to, to to learn. So you know, anything he learns at Wales, he brings back to to Wasps. And, um, you know, it's a big thing for me. Whenever, you know, the lads go away training with England, he always, you know, asks them, you know, what, you know, what are you doing? What, you know, any new moves, any new sort of, you know, stuff you, you, you know, that they're bringing up. So he's always willing to learn. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a, you know, a plus for, for both of us. You know, I think uh, stuff that comes from Wasp will go into Wales and, and vice versa. Just a couple more points, Fraser. Um, as far as the match on Saturday evening is concerned, do you feel that England are moving forward after, and let's face it, it was a surprise appearance in the final of the World Cup. Do you feel under Brian Ashton uh, that they are moving forward and we're seeing progress? Yeah, I think uh, you know, it looks like they're you know, lacking a little bit of confidence and not going out and being able to finish sides off. They've had two great halves and two pretty poor halves, which is where I think they've scored three points in two games in the second half. So, um, you know, the ability is definitely there. They just need to be able to finish it off against the French side. I think they're going to look to, to play you know, typical uh, English style and keep it tight and hopefully uh, starve the French of the ball because the French, you know, as we've seen in the last two games, are, are pretty lethal out wide. Um, you don't want those back three touching the ball too often. So uh, if the defence is good and uh, we shut them down, we can, we can definitely uh, do a job. Uh, and the final question is, we always ask this of our guests, um, you played for England uh, three times, was it? Yeah. Did you have to do an initiation ceremony? We were hearing from Steve Thompson and... Various others about this. What did you have to do? <laughs> um, well, uh, obviously you have to you have to sing a song in front of all the lads, which is. Uh, what did you choose? I chose Yellow Submarine. Yeah, I spent most of the uh, most of the week uh, more worried about singing than uh, than playing the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And was there anything you had to do in the evening after the game? Yeah, unfortunately, Mark Regan was involved, and I have I've played with him for a couple of years at Bristol when I was uh, a bit younger. So we we go back away, and he uh, proceeded in making us drink some horrendous stuff, which we uh, won't go into. Do you think he's a nice kind of bonkers, Regan? He's definitely bonkers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about nice. <laughs> Fraser, thank you for your time. No worries, thank you very much. Nice to speak to you. Uh, let's just have a little bit more detail from our other guests, uh, considering the England-France game. Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor at The Guardian, is with me. So is Andy Bull, who's a uh, writer and man of blogs, and Rob Kitson, the uh, Guardian rugby writers, on the telephone as well. Rob, how do England play this game? 
you were hearing from Fraser there that they'll probably keep it tight. That that that's always the way, isn't it? Well, I'm you know I'm not so sure. I think they they could do that. They could be tempted. They could think, well, hang on, we've got Sheridan back, we've got Vickery back, we've got Shaw, we've got the sort of big men up front who could uh, make some holes and, and perhaps fluster these uh, these young guys in the in the key positions in the French team. I'm not necessarily sure. I don't think that's the route that Ashton wants to go. Um, it, it'll be a clear night in Paris. I don't think it's going to be any problem with the weather for a change. Uh, and I, I I genuinely think they want to go out and play. They had all through the World Cup. They, for various reasons, they stuck it up at jumper. They did uh, what they felt was necessary there. It's moved on. They have to move on. Uh, and there's no point, I don't think, grinding out just purely for uh, for the sake of it uh, and thinking that's the only way. You can't win rugby matches, certainly not top international matches, just by playing in one way anymore. You have to more balance your game. You have to be quicker. I just think they want they want to up the tempo. We've alluded to it before. That's why they brought Wigglesworth in. They want to they want to speed up. It's just it's spending watching them in the second half. Certainly in Italy, it was just plowing through treacle. Uh, and uh, they just need to speed everything up. And uh, I think if they do that, uh, hopefully people like Haskell will come into the game a bit more and there'll be a bit more momentum for the backs that uh, they can use. I just wonder, what, Rob, will they, will they think, having looked at France against Ireland and Paris and the way the French pack was pretty much destroyed by an Irish pack that doesn't destroy too many, um, will the temptation not be there just to, to, to really pile on the pressure there for at least the opening periods of the game? Well, it, does. I mean, it, it may well need, lead to quick ball in itself if it works. Well, it, it does, but if you look at the, um, who, the, who the, Fr- the French had on there, they, they brought the guy on from Dax as a replacement. It just it clearly uh, <laughs> didn't enjoy his best day, and as you say, Ireland don't overpower too many in that, in that department. He's, he's injured, he's not playing. Now, Nicholas Mass is, isn't the... Uh, the greatest in the world, but on the back they got uh, on the bench. Sorry, they've got um, Jean Baptiste Pou, who's who's a, a good player. They've got some of these boys are, are, back, are back in contention, and I think um, I, I don't think that'll be a huge weakness. They've got uh, Pape is back in the second row. He's a big strong customer. In fact, some of the injuries have worked in their favour. Uh, I, th- I don't think they'll be weak in that department. Uh, do you feel? I'll ask Andy this. Do you feel that um, anyone's in the last chance saloon here? Yeah, Ashton's made it clear that lots of people are in the last chance saloon. Huge swathes of the team, in fact. Wilkinson certainly is. I imagine a few other players are as well. Um, he's, he's said as much in today's newspapers. What have you been saying in your blog ahead of this game? Uh, well, I'm strangely confident about England's chances, actually, which is really irritating because I think it's going to catch me out and I'm probably going to get roundly mocked for it. This why, time why, next week. why the confidence, though? Where's it coming from? Well, I just think France are going to be really quite vulnerable. I don't think you can get away with making all these changes week after week, and I do think it will catch them out, and I don't think you can start those two halfbacks together in a game of this magnitude when England have got this much on the line. And Ashton, like I say, has said to these guys, look, this is your last chance, or you're out of the team. So, you know, when you're throwing someone who's that motivated and that experienced up against a guy who's 21, another guy who's 19, you know, I, I see who I'm, my money's going to be on. Didn't you say Scotland would beat France? Uh, yes, I might have said that. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch and uh, post your replies to the uh, blogs of Andy, uh, you go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport and you can post your reply there. blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. I'll just ring out, read out a couple of them. Dave the Gambling Man says, Wigglesworth is a gamble, he's a good passer. Gomesel has been woeful so far, so I'm not surprised he's been picked. Personally, I would have preferred to see Hodgson there as he's more of a talker and a battler and he's also in excellent form and Matutes says for me history is just repeating itself I wanted Barnes England picked Andrew I dreamt of Guscott England chose to Glanville I want to see Tate England give me Noon I'll leave the romance to the French they pick 19 year old scrum halves even when Le Grand Chelem is eminently on (laughs) 
vaccinations rugby from guardian.co.uk. Uh, we'll move on to Wales against Italy. Rob, you were saying that uh, being in Wales for a couple of days, the uh, fans certainly believe that the, the uh, Grand Slam is on. Um, obviously, Warren Gatland is a lot more cautious. They've got Italy at home on Saturday and you'd expect them to win that. Well, you, you, you would. I, I think I have to say, uh, I think Gatland and Edwards have played an absolute blinder uh, in the time they've been down there. They haven't put a foot wrong. They've, they've named the team. They named the team for this game 10 days early, just to, you know, to give everybody uh, a chance to know where they were. To, they brought in Reese Thomas at, in the front row, put a bit of pressure on him to deliver. You know, they've, they've, they've really, in terms of getting in the players' minds, just cutting through the, well, if you want to call it a comfort zone, um, it's not really, but relatively speaking, cutting through all that and just saying, Right. Okay. If you if uh, you've got to, you've got to perform, otherwise uh, you know there's there's no place for you. And I, on on that um, basis alone, I think uh, Wales will do well. Having said that, I thought Italy with a shade more. They didn't play all that well in uh, in Rome. Um, certainly not uh, initially. Mm. Uh, and I, I I their forwards. We go back to forwards. They are a bit of a one-dimensional side. Um, but they're, what they are is very, very strong and they will give Wales a good tussle, I think, but I don't think they'll be able to sustain it for 80 minutes. Uh, it's lots of opinion, particularly on the dropping of James Hook to the bench. Ian, 1979, says, In my opinion, Hook has been the outstanding out half of the tournament so far. I can't see why he's been benched. Gatlin likely knows what he's doing, but I think you play your first choice if fit against Italy these days and don't use it as a training match in this way. Would you agree with that? I Ian? think there's a certain amount of, um, of you know, mind games going on here from Gatlin's point of view. I think Gatlin knows Hookers is number one, but I don't think he wants him to get complacent about it. He, he, he took him off pretty early in the last game. Uh, brought Jones on who gave him a very good measure of control that closed it out um, and I, I think he wants to give a very very clear message to Hook is that he, he cannot afford any laxness he cannot afford to do that little bit of mental departure that sometimes, ha- sometimes happens to him in the middle of a big game that you know w- w- where, he, where he just seems a little bit of the clouds for a while um, it's, it, it's just a big old message to him mm, but, but Andy he's there if needed on the bench yeah I think Ian's got a point though I mean as good as Hook is there's a degree to which people are sort of hero worshipping him a little bit I mean let's not forget in that Scotland game twice he turned the ball over both times it led to penalties for Scotland brought them right back into the game and there was that poor, poor pass to Henson um, so you know he really did sort of lose control of the game slightly in the second half there. Jones going to be much, much more reliable in that sense in terms of controlling the game, and it sets it up nicely for the round after to see who's going to play 10 then. Uh, let's bring uh, an Italian perspective to all this. On the line is uh, Paolo Pacitti, who's a broadcaster on Italian television, Rai, the national broadcaster. Uh, before we talk about the rugby, um, are you all right, Paolo? I-, I heard you had a bit of an accident. Yes, I've got an accident, but it's all okay. It was a, a rack, maybe a much better rack uh, than the ones that Italy used to used to make it on yeah. on the field. But the difference the difference is you were actually on a motorbike at the time. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, I'm trying to to copy Valentino Rossi, but now it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you've got your humour. Are you in the hospital right now? Yes, now in the hospital, but <laughs> waiting for the for the you know uh, um, the the problem is that for Valentino the problems are uh, uh, for the taxes for me it's uh, it's simply for the bones. Okay, well, I hope you recover in time too. Uh, you certainly sound in good humour, and it sounds like it's a very busy hospital. Yes, it's okay. It's what, okay, don't worry. What is the feeling in Italy about how the team is progressing since it's entered the Six Nations? 
Uh, there is a good feeling, uh, actually. There is a good feeling, especially uh, because uh, you know we are we are talking about a, a team uh, that is starting a new deal with uh, with Nick Mallet. Uh, they had a huge go- good performance in the second half against Ireland at the beginning. They had also a good second half uh, against England, but only a second half. They have now to start for uh, a good first half to play complete 80 minutes high-level standard and they're trying to approach uh, the best quality that they can uh, achieve. And what sort of interest is rugby now pulling in in Italy? Obviously, football is the, is the big sport in Italy. Uh, are more and more people getting into this game? Uh, yes, more and more people are getting into this game. The newspaper used to to talk a lot about rugby, in particular when uh, there is the Six Nation. It means that the championship has a great appeal in Italy, and uh, this is a good stuff for uh, all the movement, all the players, considering that in the last two years, the number of players are increasing, incredible, uh, about 20,000 uh, new players who take the membership card of the Italian Rugby Union. That is a, a great record. Oh, that's terrific. That's uh, certainly um, going to bring a lot more colour and adventure to the uh, Six Nations. I know you, you know Rob Kitson very well. He's on the, on the telephone. Rob, would, is there anything you'd like to ask Paolo? Well, I'd like to send, uh, send my uh, commiserations and sympathies. I hope it's not too painful, whatever he's done to himself. Um, <laughs> but Paolo, I, I, was, um, you know, I was impressed by Italy, as you say, in the second half. They, they seemed to grow in confidence. They, they looked at England and, and realised that they they weren't, you know, absolutely invincible. I, I, I just wonder, away from home, they did okay in Ireland as well. I just wonder whether that it's away from home that they, they've had such an appalling record. Do you think they're ready to, to win the, those big away games? Uh, you, you have to consider that after the present that we received against Scotland uh, last year uh, and uh, the draw that we clinched in Cardiff two years ago, we had uh, a great performance uh, also away game. The problem is that the, the very beginning of the matches uh, in this uh, 2008 uh, Six Nations, because uh, what's happening in uh, Ireland and uh, what's happening in particular in, uh, in, at the Flaminia Stadium against uh, England, the show how a little drop of concentration means uh, tries that you cannot concede to any team, most of all if you played against um, England and against Ireland. So I think that they need uh, to be more effective uh, in the, the way they approach the game. Uh, Paolo, uh, Andy here. We've uh, had a lot of talk about Warren Gatland and the effect he's had on uh, Wales, but Nick Mallett's really a great signing for Italy, isn't he? How's he going over to the Italian uh, Yes, I think he's uh, the right coach for uh, the Italian team because uh, you can consider he mixed together the communication quality that John Kirwan, for example, in the past had with a uh, great sympathy and a great technical uh, approach uh, that they give to the, to the team. I was speaking with some of the guys in the team. What is clear is that Nick Mallet used to repeat and repeat and repeat every single detail of the game. Uh, that could be a little bit hard to sustain for the players, but it's only the ra- a sort of a similar approach that Georges Cost uh, did with the team when he was uh, the technical chief of the Italian uh, challenge. Paolo, final point. Do you think Italy have got a chance of winning in Wales on Saturday? Uh, I think uh, they have uh, a 
a chance uh, that they have to clinch. Uh, the problem is that uh, I think that the Six Nations showed that the, the, um, the level, uh, especially after the Rugby World, World Cup, is not so high as we expected. So Italy can uh, have uh, their option to win it. The only problem is that uh, Wales uh, uh, took two success, a very convincing success against uh, England and Scotland. I think uh, the only problem is uh, our first half. Be very interesting to see what happens. Paolo, I think it's fair to say uh, you are definitely the uh, man who's made the most effort in coming on this programme, having had a motorcycle crash and sitting in the <laughs> hospital accident and emergency centre. Hope you get better soon. I can just tell you that the, the roads in Wales are a lot safer than they are in uh, Italy. But anyway, I'll send you the bill. Oh, right. of course. <laughs> OK. And as they used to say on that uh, TV show, Hill Street Blues, no problem. be careful out there. Thanks, Paolo. Okay. No ciao, problem. Ciao, Paolo. Bye-bye. OK, ciao, Paolo. Listen to that. Uh, Rob Kitson with a bit of Italian. Uh, Ireland against Scotland is the five o'clock game on Saturday. So all the games taking place on Saturday. Uh, Scotland head to Croke Park to take on Ireland. Andy, uh, Scotland away from home. Any chance? Well, finally, 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 Chris Patterson coming in to fly half. Dan Parks on the bench. Um, is it too late? Possibly. Is Patterson going to make that much difference? Yes. He's not, he's not a perfect fly half. He's not going to solve all their problems, but he is going to help them get across the gain line for once, and he is going to make clean breaks. Mm. So they're going to be better than they have been in the first And he'll games. kick penalties. Of course, yeah. Mm. What, do you, what do you feel about it as a proud Irishman? As a proud Irishman, I mean, it's... It's a pretty big game. I mean, I think it's really interesting in Ireland at the moment, for the, but the, that for the first time in about five years, you're seeing the kind of fracturing of a backline that has been considered a great, almost a shibboleth by Sullivan, uh, you know. Mm. And he's brought in Kearney for the last game. For, the, for, for this game, it's been Tommy Bow on the wing rather than Horgan, who would, you know, who has been automatic for a long time now. There's a lot, been a lot of questions over O'Driscoll, over Darcy. Uh, Stringer's lost his place as scrum half. You're seeing what, what, what has been a, just this unquestionable unit for so long. Suddenly, suddenly break up, and it's uh, and the, the progression of that I think will be and the, how they do how they develop what, will be a very interesting thing. How encouraged were you by that second half performance in Paris? Encur- encouraged up to a point. I mean, Ireland have needed that performance, and it's, uh, mm. and a lot of people say it's the first performance in ten games or so of a, of, a, of any level. It, you know, they, they needed it really badly. And I thought the most encouraging thing was that you know again we go back to O'Sullivan's innate conservatism. That two of the very high, po- three of the very high points of it were the players he did bring in, Jack Mann at hooker, even though his throwing's a bit off beam. Um, he slipped at number eight, who had a monumental game, and Kearney on the wing. You know, I, I think it might just encourage him to break his kind of selectorial shackles a little bit. And having said that, I think France, you know, threw on a lot of young replacements. We're very lucky to get away with it in the end. And I think I, I think Ireland would be right to regard that as very much an opportunity missed. Rob than Kitts- a kind of proud display. Rob Kitson, how do you see this game going? Well, I've got two, two things to say, really. One, I'm afraid if anybody saw Chris Patterson play uh, for Gloucester... Yes, at, uh, he did apparently have a stinker, Sunday, didn't he, Rob? Absolute shocker, and, and had to get sort of hauled off after about 15 minutes. I, I, what did not, he do wrong? What was, what was Well, he, I mean, if I, if I tell you that... <laughs> <laughs> what he did right, really. I mean, you know, even restarts, a couple of pistol tries, both the restarts, both disappeared straight over the touchline, you know, scrum back on the on the halfway line. Just little things like that, which you, your forwards hate. Um, and it turned over a couple of times. It missed, missed, you know, ironically for him, fantastic kicking record, missed two or three kicks at goal as well. So it's not to say he'll, he won't go out and have a, have a brilliant game, but I just... Uh, I just wonder, with Scottish confidence, having taken such a such a hammering, uh, having gone from such a high before the tournament to to where it is now, I I would 
very much uh, favour Ireland. I think, uh, as Ian was saying, you know, there has been a, a makeover. People like Heathslip are, are good players. They've got, importantly, Paul O'Connell's back on the bench, and he's he's always, you know, the, as the conscience of the side, if nothing else, he, I'm sure he's not fully fit, but uh, he's back there. And I, I just think uh, at Croke Park as well, huge Croke Park factor. I, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll win. What do you think, um, Rob, that that um, Frank Haddon has got to do, or does he just not have? players well he has uh, the irony is that he's never had as he's said before the tournament started he's never had as many people to choose from maybe that's almost complicated uh, life you know he's been trying to get he's like everybody else trying to get the, the best combinations as opposed to making the absolute most of what he's got i i just can't quite work it out to be honest i was convinced i think that first game against france it, it completely folded and and they they just haven't uh, recovered i i have to say the back row is a big disappointment for me i thought they'd really uh, really take sides on there and get that momentum get that quick ball Blair's been very good at scrum half uh, but they've had a problem at fly half but you know Parks hasn't got anything going maybe with Patterson there they'll have to change uh, emphasis get a bit more momentum but they'll really have to take the game to Ireland and they haven't shown much sign of that so far Okay, so the three games are all uh, on Saturday. No game on Sunday. Wales against Italy at 3 o'clock. Ireland, Scotland at 5 o'clock. England, France at 8 o'clock. Let's go around the uh, room and the telephone and find out predictions from all of you. Wales, Italy. Andy? Uh, Wales by 10. Ian? If Italy had a line-out and a kicker, I'd be half tempted to tip them, but they don't, so what? Rob? No, it'll be a narrow win for Wales. Uh, Ireland v Scotland, Rob? Ireland v Scotland, I've got to go Ireland. I think they, uh, they, they, they could turn in a performance. I'll go Ireland by 10. Ian? I, I think Scotland will disappear in this one. I think that this, this is the game that crack Ireland by maybe 20, 30. Right. Andy? Well, I'm a devil's advocate. I'm going to go Scotland to lose very, very narrowly, perhaps by two, three points. OK. Um, now, we know your England-France prediction because you've said England. Sticking mm. with it? I am going to stick with it. Okay. Yeah. Ian? Yeah, England. I think they'll do them. Why? For the reasons I said earlier, you, too many kids on that team. Too big a kind of contempt for the opposition in their selection. OK. And Rob Kitson, what do you think? England, France? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go France. I'm going to say Trini and Susanna at halfback for France are going to have a fantastic <laughs> time. And uh, it'll be a cavalcade of wonderful rugby and uh, England will lose. Oh dear, they will be terrific. Thank you very much uh, to all our guests today, to Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor at The Guardian, Andy Bull, uh, the man of blogs on guardian.co.uk. Remember, you can post your blogs on uh, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, To Rob Kitson, Guardian rugby writer. Thanks, Rob. And uh, also from Fraser Waters, the former England international now playing for Wasps and broadcaster extraordinaire. God knows what he's done, but he sounds in good spirits. Paolo Pacitti, who's in hospital (laughs) in Italy at the moment, but he'll be in uh, Wales at the weekend. That's it uh, for today's Six Nations show on guardian.co.uk. Do join us again on Monday when uh, we'll know if England players really do have a phobia of playing rugby after half-time, whether Wales are still on their way to that possible Grand Slam and whether Scotland can show anything of the team we saw in the World Cup. My thanks to my guests. This is Ian Payne. We'll speak to you next time. Goodbye. Six Nations Rugby from guardian.co.uk 